So before you panic from last week, I'm going to just do a wee walk around and then I'm going to be still, okay? Just if you were here last week, I did a wee bit of walking around. It's a wee bit more difficult today because there's more stones in the garden. But uh, last week we were looking at the journey through the cross and resurrection. And we started back in Bethlehem, although we started back before that. And we decided at Bethlehem that we didn't want to put Jesus on the cross immediately he was born because there were important years before we got to the cross. And those were the years that Jesus was with his disciples, teaching his disciples things that I was describing as picking maybe some fruit off a basket and putting it in the basket. Lessons learned for the life of discipleship. And so these years are incredibly important to find out who God is through Jesus and what's expected of us who follow Jesus. And then we get to Easter, the Passion. And we go through the cross and the the red blood flowing and the sins washed away. Something happens when Jesus cries, it is finished. And we come through the resurrection into the new birth and the new power of the resurrection. And what we find is that all the lessons that we've learned as disciples in those years are now in some way equipped through this tunnel or car wash or soul wash or whatever I might find someday the right description of it so that we come out the other end of the resurrection and what we realized last week was that when Jesus came to resurrection that first instance in in the Matthew account of it he's immediately on his way to Galilee he's not going to hang around he's on his way into action so we find that now we have all the things in the basket and we know what it's like to live the life of a disciple and suddenly we now are equipped through the cross and the resurrection to live that life of discipleship. That's the illustration of it. And then we come to this passage that we've been lingering in this morning. And we're in John chapter 20. And we find here in this particular chapter that Jesus does stop on the journey out of resurrection. And he finds the disciples that were in his shadow following him in those years. But now that we're through the cross and resurrection and the Lamb of God has taken away the sin of the world and we're into this new power of new life of resurrection, suddenly this community is going to change who they are. They're no longer going to be in the shadow of Jesus or in the coattails of Jesus. They are now going to continue the work that Jesus was doing. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. We come to the gathered new community of disciples. The gathered community of Fitzroy. And we want to ponder a moment or two something of this community on this Sunday after Resurrection Sunday. And believe it or not, and our visitors will go away with a bad impression... I have three points, or a good impression. I don't usually. There's three things I want to draw out here about this gathered community that Gillian's already had us in the midst of. And I want the first two for us to look back at the first chapter of John, because we might see some things that John said in his first chapter in the editorial of this gospel according to John that are now finding their fulfillment near the end of his book his gospel. So, before the passage that Jane read, 
were in resurrection passage with Mary, and just a couple of verses before where where Jane read from, we find in verse 17 of John 20, uh, Jesus talking to Mary, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to who? who? Who would he describe this community as? Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascended to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. The new community, the disciples who were in the coattails, in the shadows, picking up all those lessons in the discipleship road are being described by Jesus as his brothers. Let's think back to John chapter 1. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Right at the outset of his account of Jesus' life, John's talking about those who will become children of God. God will be their father. Jesus here, in chapter 20, says, go to my brothers and tell them. The gathered community is the family of God. This little gathered bunch that we'll come to in a moment or two are God's family. God is their father. The ones gathered nervously and frightened are his sons and the ones who were courageous enough to be at the cross and the resurrection, the daughters. But who knows, Gary might open up some of that for us later tonight. So the first thing, this gathered community, family of God, Second thing that we might learn if we look back into chapter 1 and find ourselves back in chapter 20 is, and I don't think this is a stretch of my uh, (coughs) exegesis, is that this gathered community are going to be the revelation of God. Chapter 1, right at the start. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He's the revelation of God. This is the Jesus that John's telling us about in his prologue. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all humankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus in John chapter 1 is the word of God, the revelation of God. And a little bit later in verse 14 that I come back to all the time, that word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood as a revelation of God to the communities that people lived in ministered in and were missional in. Chapter 20 that we read, Jane read earlier. Peace be with you. Three times he says that in this passage. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed in them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus comes in the prologue and Jesus is very clearly in the entire gospel according to John. He is the revelation of God, the Son of God, the Messiah, come to take the word and revelation of God to the world. And here in chapter 20, the gathered community that he comes and he says, peace be with you, becomes that community that is going to continue to be that revelation of God. And so I couldn't help as I was preparing this morning, um, for this morning, and this morning, but for this morning, I couldn't help as the week went on, to consider that we were that room. And that as Jesus came into the presence of those disciples, so in some other way, he comes into the room this morning. 
And he looks around at us. And he says to us, to you, peace be with you. Peace be with you. You are the new community. You are my family. You're my brothers and sisters. My father's your father. And as the father has sent me, I'm sending you. Get this, I'm going to breathe the Holy Spirit on you. I couldn't help but seeing you guys right there in John chapter 20. And you might be saying, but Steve, have you any idea what's going on in my life right at this moment in time? Had you any idea what was going on in the lives of those in John chapter 20 at that time? Yes, it says they were hiding from the Jews, but did they really want to see Jesus? Was Peter dying to see Jesus after what happened in the garden? When that cock crowed the third time and he went, oh, he told me this was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen and it still happened. Was Peter then walking away going, I can't wait to see Jesus again? Was there not an inner fear? What would Jesus say to me when he sees me again after letting him down in that kind of way? And then he looks at it and he thinks there's a catalogue of these moments. There's the sleeping when he's praying. There's cutting off the guy's ear. There's denying him three times. Oh, Peter was dying to see Jesus. Maybe not. And maybe you're not. But what does he say? Jillian's already brought it out. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Come to terms, come to peace. Have a peace with all of that that's going on in your life. The fear, or Thomas, the doubt. The doubt. Because really, the third point of this shortish sermon is, I hope, that we are the family of God, that we are those who will go to reveal God, in the missional sense of being sent by God, no longer in the shadows of the coattails, but coming out from the shadows and the coattails to be his body on earth, incarnating the word becoming flesh. Thirdly, and we've got to get this, and it's easy to get when you look into my life, we are a broken people. And we're supposed to be. No, we don't break ourselves on purpose so as we can say, oh, look at us, we're broken. But we realize as we come into John chapter 20 that the gathering of people that Jesus brought was not the team. Somebody's already said to me during the service, it's a big afternoon. Wembley, cup semi-final. I told Boyd to sing as best as he can because we need all the help from God that we can get this afternoon. And when you look at soccer teams now, they just throw money until they have the perfect team. And then they have the perfect second team. The one who can fit perfectly into the team. Can do the things that the manager thinks are the best things to do. Jesus, God, doesn't do that. He picks us. Now, if you are the perfect one in Fitzroy, I apologize. I'm sort of speaking down to you today. But I know you as well enough to know that you don't think that. In fact, I know you as well enough that at times I want to say to you, do you realize that in your brokenness, what you've done for us as a family, or in your brokenness, what you've done for this 
community or what you've done for the community outside it. We find as Jesus comes to meet with the frightened, as Jesus comes to meet with the doubters, that we are a broken people. Good Friday, our lovely little informal communion in the welcome area, I played that song by Over the Rhine. All my favorite people are broken. Believe me, my heart should know. All my friends are part saint and part sinner. We lean on each other to rise above. We're not afraid to admit that we're all still beginners. We're all late bloomers when it comes to love. All my favorite people are broken. Believe me, my heart should know. Orphan believers, skeptical dreamers, step forward. You can stay right here. You don't have to go. It's a song of the broken family community of God. And we're welcome. And I think more than we're welcome. I wasn't going to, but I will now quote Leonard Cohen that it's the cracks that let the light in. It's in our brokenness. That the Holy Spirit breathing across it does something extraordinary in our ordinariness. Thomas. If you've been watching Facebook, Whitney and I had a wee back and forward about Thomas because she's obviously doing the same lecture as we're doing and she had the sermon prepared slightly before I had. But she was reading similar commentators and we were looking at that doubting word and some people are saying the doubting word's not actually in the text if we get it translated in the proper way and Jesus isn't questioning or isn't giving off to Thomas about his doubting. He's kind of saying, look, I know that you need to know this, but don't lose your belief, the belief that you already have. Let's strengthen that belief that you already have. And we went back and forward a bit about Thomas. Thomas is my hero because he doubted. In fact, I'll go crazy and suggest to you that if Thomas hadn't doubted, I wouldn't be here this morning. Because when I was a doubter, when I couldn't believe it, when I couldn't get it, when I just couldn't imagine that God existed, somebody read those words that Jane read this morning. And it says, blessed are you, Thomas, because you have seen and you believe. More blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe. And Jillian said, that's us. And in a moment when I was 17 years of age, I felt that was me. That verse, that doubting of Thomas led to the doorway where my doubting could lead into some kind of stumbling and tumbling faith and belief. God knows what he's doing when he gathers this lot. And I tell everybody, you're all on the spectrum, as I am. We are all in the continuum in this place, aren't we? I mean, if you think about it for a minute or two, we're all bunkers a bit. We're all part saint, and we're all part sinner. And we have all these, like I said earlier, eccentricities and foibles, and it's in those bits of brokenness as we come together and the Holy Spirit breathes on us that something happens in the midst that just gives us the courage to walk into the future without being in the shadows or the coattails. 
We are the family of God. We are God's revealers of the word to the world. And we come into that team not because we're perfectly prepared for it, but because of the love of God and the understanding that God will use our weaknesses to reveal something incredible. In my weakness, his strength is made perfect. So this morning, as we gather, and as we're here, let's imagine we're in that room. And let's imagine that Jesus is about to just come in right now. How are we feeling about that? If Jesus walked through the doors, any one of the five that he could use, how would we feel? What would the churning be deep inside us? What would the inferiorities be? The insecurities be? The regrets be? The shame be? The, oh, if I only could get over that be? And he says, wherever you are, whatever those things are, three times he's going to tell us, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you be with you. Now, I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to breathe on you. And in your brokenness, gather with one another to get strength and encouragement and inspiration. And then let's go in our brokenness, into a broken world. Because somebody in that broken world needs to meet somebody with the same breakages as you for their door to open like Thomas opened mine and to find this Jesus who calls us brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Lord, here's the first gatherings of the new community that we're reading about this morning. First church service in some sense. And the important things about it are that they came together that they were together, that they shared together, and that you came amongst them. May we as a community here be a community that comes together and shares together, supports one another together, loves one another together, and may we be a place where you come into the midst of our brokenness to breathe your spirit to enable us in the week to come to be your revelation of the word in the neighborhoods that you make us flesh in. May it be so. In Jesus' name, amen.